Welcome to more than a few words of marketing podcasts for small business owners. My name is Lorraine Ball, and I help small businesses become big businesses. And today, um, I'm really excited. I got one of my good friends in the studio, Nick Carter's hanging out. Hey, Nick. Hey, Lorraine. I'm excited to be here. This is really cool. Um, there are lots of things we could be talking about. Um, we're going to talk about unfunded, but before we do, uh, in case there's anybody listening who doesn't know who you are, what you do, give them the quick five minute and be sure to plug my favorite product. I get five minutes. Wow. Oh, I. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> I started Address Two, which is what most people know me as. Um, it's a small business CRM, Lorraine's favorite product, runs her business on it, and uh, as well as several hundred others. Several hundred other small businesses run their companies on it. It's just a simple way to keep your contacts um, organized and then also stay in touch. We've got email marketing, postcard marketing, um, SMS is being built into as well. So it's just different ways to stay in touch. And that's our bread and butter. Um, as for me, I'm uh, just a, a dad and husband and uh, enjoy being an entrepreneur the possibility it gives me. Cool. Awesome. Well, we're we're going to talk more about entrepreneurial stuff, and uh, also this morning, Allison's hanging out. Hey, buddy. Yeah, that was her being chatty this morning. <laughs> Pipe it down, Allison. Pipe it down. <laughs> um, but let's talk about startups because this is um, uh, you know, you and I both spend a lot of time in in the startup community, um, hanging with small businesses, and one of the things that always fascinates me is sort of your approach to to funding. Um, because it kind of flies in the face of conventional wisdom. Yeah, I guess I'm always a, I've always been a rebellious type, but it, it wasn't necessarily out of uh, rebellion that I wanted to go that route. But I um, I wrote a book, uh, Unfunded, and I talked with the entrepreneurs about going unfunded, which just means, um, you know, I just want to give them a second thought about uh, about taking on venture capital or selling equity in any way, shape, or form for capital or debt equity for that matter, taking on debt or uh, or investors to raise money uh, before going to the market with a product that's going to generate revenue. Cool. Um, that's how uh, I chose to do it. If you've got questions for Nick as we go through this the call today, be sure to call in at 805-285-9865. And remember that Allison is um, watching for your comments on Twitter with the hashtag pound MTFW. Okay, so let's go back to how you found it addressed to, because that's an interesting case study. Um, I know that's so, sort of the basis of the book. Yeah. Well, you woke up one day, you had this idea, and off you went. Well, uh, actually, the, the narrative would have to go a little differently, and, and a lot of times the way the way you could go unfunded is, is essentially it's not unfunded. Everyone has funding. It's uh, it's customer funded. It's funded by revenues from sale products, and so the customer, a lot of times, and especially in my case. They had the idea. <laughs> um, we had the opportunity to solve a problem for a customer who had a budget for it, and it's, it's pretty simple. Um, I think the only thing that I, I did that was um, smart in the whole process was just being able to see that this was a product that after I had met the, solved the problem for the one customer, that it was a product other customers would be able to uh, to pay to have the same solution implemented for them. Uh, and that's just the, that's the difference between um, consulting and, and uh, custom projects and product development. That's the only difference. I love the idea of reusable codes. Right. I mean, that, that was one of the first things I learned when I was started really getting immersed in the tech community is that if you develop code, whether it's um, a plugin for a website or, or an application, if you can find other clients that can use something similar, 
it becomes a lot more profitable to set in the end score time. Way more profitable, that's right. And it just takes thinking through and the, and the architecture of it up front. Okay, well, what if I did need to, to change this color or change you know, that hex code or that image? What if I were to swap out the behavior of this to suit someone else's website to use a, like a WordPress plugin example? Mm -hmm. um, and if you architect that, that code that way up front, then when you get done, you, you basically had a customer fund the development of a product, however small or, or finite it is. Yeah. So um, it's obviously a longer ramp up. Yeah. If, you're, if you're trying to start a business and you're waiting until you make your first sale to get the funding <laughs> to sort of support the next sale and the next sale, and a lot of people don't want to wait that long, and so they go the venture capital or the inv investor route. Yeah. Yeah, there's, there are pros and cons to both sides. Um, I have I've got a slower growth curve. Um, I've waited longer. Uh, the, so those are the cons. I I had one guy, an investor, potential investor at one time. We were having this conversation, except that the person on the other side of the table was, was hoping to buy equity in my company. And he says, "Well, Nick, wouldn't you rather own 10% of a billion dollar company than 100% of like a million dollar company?" And I had to actually get out a calculator. But then the answer is, yeah, I would rather own the 10% of a billion dollar company. But, you know, that's the pro. But the con is control, flexibility, liberty. Um, when, you are, when you have the um, obligation to earn a, a 10, 20x return for those investors within three or five years, mind you, then you have no other choice but to be um, completely engaged in that startup for five years. And maybe you, you know that you want to be anyways, but, but what if you wanted to take a month off, take the passive revenue that you've created, and just go and enjoy a, a vacation? Try answering your board with that. Oh, yeah, CEO is going to walk away for 30 days or for the summer, or I'm going to try this other startup now. Um, it's very difficult to do that when you have other people to answer to. It's not impossible, but it's more difficult. And I think, I think that's, a, that, that's a, a good point is that many of us get into, and I think people get into starting their own business for different reasons. Yeah. Um, some of us, like you and I, I think are unemployable. That's true. <laughs> Nobody wants to work with us. Nobody wants to work with us. We don't want to work with them. True. <laughs> you know, uh, I had a tell me once that I, um, I wasn't a team player. I'm a team leader, and I'm perfectly happy on a team as long as I'm in charge. That's right. So uh, given that, I think we run businesses because that's who we are. Yeah. If I were in this to, uh, to make – Millions before I turned 30, and I needed to do it as fast as possible. Um, then I should have gone. I should have gone raise capital. I mean, bar none, there's no. That's the best, fastest way. Is why I would go into it. Or if I were entering into a market like um, like mobile app development, or uh, you know, or some of the, the new voice TCOM stuff that's that's really quickly evolving these days. Um, then you don't have time to go unfunded. You can't be patient because the technology will pass your company's growth curve by. Mm -hmm. And so you need to raise some funding in order to, to not be, uh, be beaten to market by somebody else. I was the last person to invent a CRM. <laughs> <laughs> I, I think it's probably true in the early days, the earliest days, uh, nobody would have wanted to invest. Nobody would have seen that. Why would you enter a crowded marketplace with mature products out there? Um, so I didn't have that going for me. I didn't, I didn't need to, to raise funding to be the timeline. And I think that's a good point is that if you're starting a business, you really kind of have to look at, is this, is this a product with a limited lifespan? Because yeah. a lot of these emerging technologies, yeah. they emerge and go. And, and if you know it's a short window, right. um, if you know there are fast followers, 
to your point, you don't have a choice. Yeah, you don't have much of a choice. I will still say that some of the principles are like lean startup and things like that. Your investors will want to know that you understand. I mean, they want to know that you know how to make money, turn a quick buck, mm -hmm. um, to, to get a product that people are going to buy. Um, you know, I heard someone tell me once that there's validation investors, that if you go and you pitch this to investors and they decide not to invest in it, that, that should tell you that there may be something broken in your business model or something mm -hmm. like that. To which I would reply, is there no validation in the market? <laughs> if you go and pitch this to customers and you don't make sales, does that not validate or invalidate um, you know, part of your idea? So. I, I, I <laughs> Term and long-term perspective. If yeah. you're in it for the long haul, yeah. then customers who will pay and a business that is profitable is kind of a pretty good indication. Yeah. There doesn't seem to be, um, you know, I don't know how many dots of bomb crashes we've been through. <laughs> right. Um, you know, and each time it's fueled by people investing in companies that have no revenue stream. Right. Yeah. It's it's uh. It's really interesting how many times people can get a valuation for their company. Um, based on on the customer, or not even customer, but sorry, just the, the followers or the readers or the web page views without a revenue stream. Mm -hmm. um, and those are, by the way, those, those are growing, those are shrinking people. Investors are getting smarter and, and uh, obviously more cautious. Um, and we want to figure out how it's going to make money. Mm -hmm. so. Yeah, but um, uh, I know Facebook is big, <laughs> but is it really profitable? And uh, okay, I've got an I've got a nod to Allison. Yes, the ads alone are are massive. Yeah, they, when they finally started to sell advertising on there, was probably the smartest thing they did. But uh, yeah. but I do know that it took them. It was just within the last few years that they turned yeah. cash flow positive. Yes, that is true. Now, yeah. if you really want a better case study of that, Twitter is the one that's still struggling a little bit yeah. because they just started selling advertisements and there's a great deal more resistance to them because they aren't as incorporated as organically into the stream as the Facebook ads are. And uh, that makes me very nervous because, I, I mean, I really like Twitter. Yes. You know, um, and uh, I wonder if it's not time for them to think about, you know, do they sell a premium model? Yes, are there features that they can sell? The the thing about advertising as a revenue is, is when you talk about going unfunded, you know, you need to be able to one of the principles in the book is that you've got to be able to generate revenue fast, like early day one. Very simple. Well, if you're selling advertising revenue, you can't sell a banner ad until you've got large, large volume of you. Nobody wants to advertise on your platform when when it's still very young. And so you almost like Twitter did, you have to mm -hmm. find some other form of funding to fund the growth and development of your product until your follower base gets huge and then you actually have value to offer to advertisers. And it really changes the way your go to market is structured. Well the other social media, because that's what I know, the social media uh, business model that we're seeing is freemium. Mm -hmm. You want to talk a little bit about the strategies of using freemium versus advertising? Yeah, freemium is um, well, the way I would use Define Premium, and maybe from a social media standpoint, maybe it's different, but it's just essentially offering a free product um, in the hopes that they're going to upgrade, that you've got a, a premium that they're going to upgrade to. Um, really easy way, really quick way to get um, more leads in the door. We somewhat have a premium with Address 2. We have a 14-day free trial, and mm -hmm. we also have some other products that are free that people can use through, uh, like for contact forms and stuff. But I don't know, does it really help you? If your product is free but nobody knows about it, you're still not gaining uh, tons of users. It wasn't until Oprah mentioned Twitter that Twitter had any hope of surviving in the startup world at all. Right? I mean, they went from, they just skyrocketed it after that that show back in, what was it, 2008? It was April of 2010 or something like that? Or? 
Yeah, it did explode. Uh, uh, I logged on to Twitter today to find out that today is my four-year anniversary on Twitter, <laughs> and and the first couple of years were pretty quiet. I yep. mean, it was it was a much smaller community, yep. and it's certainly not now. Um, but I think that you know um, that idea of the the free trial um, works with a lot of products, and I think there is a growing expectation. Um, that things on the internet will be free. Oh yeah. You know, yeah. Um, uh, the author of Wired um, also wrote a book about the price of free, and, right. and this is a big part of this this argument is that we have an entire generation that has grown up assuming yeah. that things are free. That that they are. <laughs> Well, you know what's interesting is that things are free on the consumer side. Um, I can get Google Docs for free. My wife doesn't. I don't need to go and buy Microsoft Word for my wife to type letters and things like that at home, or for us to do that in our for our household for us to create uh, spreadsheets for our personal finances on Google Docs. But but anything that starts to become a professional solution, a business solution, you start to pay for. Hootsuite has professional. Mm -hmm. Um, and maybe that's where Twitter needs to go. Is they need to, just like Facebook did, Facebook realized that it's the businesses who are going to fund Facebook. It's people who are going to make money there that will pay to use it. I won't pay to use a service for social media. I won't, um, just like I, few people actually pay to join clubs anymore for the social aspect of it. Mm -hmm. Um, few people will pay to use the social media service just for the social aspect of it. If, there's, if it ties into your business, then you'll pay for it. You know, that's, uh, I'm so glad you said that because right now we're working on our 2012 social media small business survey. Yeah. And I hadn't thought about asking questions that way about, you know, which of these services would you pay for? Right. Um, right. Yeah. Let's present for me. I would pay for Twitter because the people, um, the people that won't pay for Twitter are not really people I want to talk to exactly. anyway. That's true. That's true. Um, yeah, I hadn't thought about that either. That I would pay for Twitter, and I would really enjoy it. It was a uh, almost a pay threshold for some of the families that are out there. You know, they talk. It's kind of like they talked about making a first class postage stamp a dollar fifty. Because I'll spend a dollar. This was I don't know when this theory came out, but I would spend a dollar fifty to send a letter to my my pen pal or my my cousin or aunt or grandmother. Um, no one would get there. No one would get there. I would spend a buck fifty to send that handwritten letter. I wouldn't spend a buck fifty a pop to send spam into someone's inbox. No. But it, you know, when you can do this pre-sorted, twenty cents a pop kind of thing, it's well, of course we're gonna have junk mail. Yeah. 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 I um, I kind of I, I like the idea. Um, oh, uh, have a comment here from James Kuster. Um, uh, he's he basically says, you know, the connections on Twitter, uh, oh, he says they seem to be higher quality. Um, they, I think maybe because you can screen who you use, but I think, you know, to that point, if you could pay, um, yeah. it would put you in a different club. I'd be okay with that. Yeah, um, and even some of the analytics that Twitter wants to be able to show you or maybe maybe different tools that do help you to attract followers and promote your own brand on Twitter, they can charge for that. Mm -hmm. Just like a page is on, on Facebook. I can create a Facebook page. And interestingly, that's still free. I don't know why. I would have paid for that. You know, oh. Hello, Mark Zuckerberg. I would have paid for that. <laughs> don't tell him that. I'm not sure I want him to know. Um, yeah. Let me ask you, Alex, I mean, other than, I mean, because we do have like a Hootsuite paid account. Um, other social media, what would you pay for? What wouldn't you pay for? I think that it's all on the business analytics side. There is yet to be 
to my knowledge, someone please correct me if I'm wrong, a social media network where you pay to play that's been successful, where you have to pay a price to get in the door. And we've all seen guys promoting these kinds of services locally. I know that I have. I won't name any names. Why would I pay for it when I could go to LinkedIn and get the same thing for free? And I think that if there was a paywall between you and Twitter that maybe you'd pay for it, but who else would? The conversation and the quality would drop. Even if you're willing to stay there, why would you continue to pay money to talk to an empty room? So I think that the, I think the business side has to come from advanced analytics, has to come from business tools, advertising, those kinds of things. Because the consumer, they'll just go to the next big thing, which someone will fund, because they'll think one day they'll have a revenue stream. People aren't going to stay. There's not the brand loyalty. How long do you think that will happen? If someone will fund another idea, thinking there may be a revenue stream, do you think that, that this uh, this is another bubble? That this non-revenue generating startup that can get ridiculous valuations is that is that a, a blip or? In the last year, we've had Google Plus and Pinterest. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know what I don't know what Pinterest funding sources. Clock got thirty mil yeah. recently. They do have a funding source, but I think they're still trying to find their sea legs. Yeah. So I think that we are still seeing it incredibly. But I think we'll always have that. People want to be on the cutting edge. I don't even think Twitter's profitable yet. No. For all its buzz and for all its yeah. hoopla, I don't think it's making money, but it's still not having problems finding funding. Yeah. No, and I read yesterday that Facebook is going to go IPO. Yes. Yeah. Yeah, that, that was my comment uh, earlier. When it's like, you know, are they, are they profitable yet? Yeah. But, they must be. Yeah. You know, I, I suppose I, I, I cannot really, you know, knock anyone who gets funding without a revenue model. Um, it seems like that's just a, a world that I don't understand. And, and, and maybe I just, if I'm honest with myself, I want to say, it's not something I understand, it's not something I'm good at. And I don't know that many people are. Many people really get that. It seems counterintuitive. It seems counter to, um, to just conventional business wisdom. Um, but there's, there's something natural and organic about selling a product and making money that way um, and, and bootstrapping your company. Well, and uh, that could be a little bit of a farm boy. Could be a little of a farm boy in me, yeah. Which, I mean, you know, I'm, I'm not kidding. You know, this yeah. from a city girl. Um, I'm, I'm a conservative, backwoods country boy. Very simple-minded. Everything fits into simple constructs for me. Maybe that's because I'm a male, too. They tell me that. You think in boxes, yes. That's right. Yeah, I have, I have no boxes. I have a, I, I've seen the pictures. There's a tangled web up there. Where things kind of fit together. Exactly. Uh, uh, do you want to talk about one of your other... Startup ventures. <laughs> um, oh, sure, we could do that. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> what else are you working on? So uh, last year, I had some. Uh, so speaking of Farmway. You are empty. Okay, you're, you're Farmway. You were. Um, Farmway. And and uh, what is it? 4-H. I was in 4-H. I never did FFA because um, that just seemed like all the kids at school who wanted to be farmers. And I mean, they were doing projects, but I had to go home and do the chores. Like that. <laughs> but it didn't seem like fun to me. Yeah. Um, I uh, I had some people over for dinner last year, and um, the what was on the plate was rabbit. And we were just joking. Why doesn't you know where? How do you find this? Where do you find? It? I didn't even. One of them said, I didn't even know you could eat rabbit. <laughs> I thought they were pets. So um, we may have had a, a little scotch, maybe possibly. I don't know that that fed this idea, but the idea came around to create a company called Meet the Rabbit um, and bring rabbit meat to Indiana. So that's. Speaking of, if you have uh, a board of investors to <laughs> give an answer to, and you say, hey, I'm going to take the summer off to go and research the construction and, uh, of a meat processing plant in Indiana, um, yeah, that might not have flown very well. 
but I have the liberty to go and do that and actually and, and continuing to uh, research and, and get that off the ground. We're actually waiting on funding from a USDA grant. Very to, cool. To that forward. Yeah. So, um, <laughs> well, it, okay, it, it's a totally different, totally unrelated business. Yeah. Weird, huh? Yes. So I think I got typecasted as a tech startup guy. Mm -hmm. um, and I don't really know where that came from. It wasn't something I was working for. Uh, the reality is, is that, you know, if you if you go and sit down with your financial planner, he's going to tell you to put some in this bucket and some over here. You should invest in world cap and small cap and this and that. And, and uh, I'm heavily invested. My, my stock portfolio, if you will, is 100% stock in a tech startup. Um, that's growing and doing well, but I figured I'd get into a different market. Yes. <laughs> I figured yes. I would diversify my portfolio. Yes, yeah. Uh, <laughs> um, I, uh, I diversified my portfolio a little bit. I have to admit um, there's probably no grocery farming or food production in my future. You know, the truth is the local food movement is growing, and, and it will be the future, I, I believe, of the food industry in the U.S., or at least a large chunk of it. I mean, it's going to get um, – it's going to seize uh, – a significant share of market. It's going to be stable. It's going to be an area where there will be opportunity for entrepreneurship and, and, and making money. And this is, you know, Rabbit is one that is easy to grow. Uh, they have a high fee to meet conversion ratio. All the things that, that go into that, they, they're an extremely healthy meat. Um, is it a niche market? Certainly. Um, could edu market education, consumer education increase that? Yeah. Um, but it was an interesting challenge, one that no one else had done in Indiana. Um, I had seen some case studies where it had gone well in other cities. Uh, the, the truth is that if you're at a European cuisine restaurant, the chef knows that rabbit should be on the menu. If you go to Europe, this is on the menu. Mm -hmm. The only problem is you can't buy it legally in Indiana for less than like 10 bucks a pound because they have to import it in from so far away. There's just no local source for it, and so therefore they can't get it on the plate. Interesting. Okay, so um, you're looking, some of your funding you're looking to get um, a USDA grant. Right. For the rest of the funding that you're going to need to run this business, are you going to go unfunded? I am. We're going to uh, self-fund, essentially, um, uh, using money that's already been made from my other successful startup. So we were able uh, now to be in an uh, independent financial situation. So it makes it kind of nice. Cool. Yeah. Awesome. Um, well, if you've got questions um, for Nick on um, either of his businesses, send us a tweet, give us a call, or follow up with him afterwards. Yeah. Um, we've got just a few minutes. I wanted to talk a little bit about the startup community here in Indy. Yeah. Um, you know, uh, Verge has um, uh, certainly been uh, kind of a, uh, out of nowhere kind of an event, and yeah. now there's this new one. Uh, the Speakeasy. The Speakeasy, yeah. yeah. That is, uh, it's really exciting to me. I, I think, you know, startup, whether it's tech, which seems to be the easiest for people to get into, and it seems to be the trivia, but any kind of entrepreneurship is, um, is it seems to me today, that actually is the vehicle for um, social mobility, socioeconomic mobility, upward mobility, more, more so than a college degree. You know, just going and getting an MBA doesn't guarantee that you're going to have a better job or a better life than your parents did. Um, and so it's really exciting to me to see all the, the networks that are being created. The Speakeasy is the latest one uh, that I'm looking forward to going and becoming a member of. Um, Verge is an incredible, I think they have what, several hundred people out once a month, um, all excited about starting businesses. Um, I think great, just a shout out to the people, I know I'm going to leave people out, like Matt Huckler, Christian Anderson, Jeb Banner, um, 
some of the folks that are just really vibrant and, and supporting that community here. Uh, we appreciate you. Yeah, it's, I think Indy is a surprising city. I think that everybody looks at um, places in Northern California, they look at Boston, they look at the North Carolina for the kind of vibrant tech community. And I think there is um, a much stronger community here than people realize. Yeah, and absolutely. every now and then you see some amazing company kind of raise its head, and people are like, really? Indiana? <laughs> right. Yeah. What's going on in Indiana? Well, this week is Super Bowl. That's true. <laughs> and, you know, I think we're doing an amazing job there. We're kind of showing uh, our abilities right, with the Super Bowl and the way that our city's handled it, and I'm proud of our city. Yeah, it's it's really been fun to watch and um, uh, to get down and, and to do some of that stuff and, and realize that this is all going on in Indiana. Oh, the cornfield. <laughs> Okay, so um, as we're wrapping up, uh, if people want to get a copy of your book. Yeah, if you want to check out my thoughts on, on taking your business, growing it without raising capital, even if you're thinking of raising, or raising capital later, but you want to figure out how to maybe get your valuation higher by generating a revenue stream early on, um, check out GoUnfunded.com. Um, there's a video there. You can get the ebook or the book. You can register your startup in our directory. We love to promote unfunded startups. Um, and if you're interested in my unfunded startup that's doing, um, that is, is the case study for unfunded, is address to TWO, address TWO.com. And I was going to say, um, you've sort of started a kind of offshoot from that with uh, Troy Hanna, who was on a couple weeks ago, yeah. um, kind of a weekly podcast of your own. Yeah. Troy is the host. He's our new business development director at Address2, and he's hosting a podcast for the Address2 University, which is a online resource for small business ideas uh, related to marketing. Um, so thank you for being a guest on our Small Business University podcast. That airs Tuesdays at 4 Eastern time, so we just missed it yesterday. Uh, it'll be on next Tuesday at 4 o'clock. Who's your guest going to be next week? It would behoove me to be able to tell you that off the top of my head, but I could not say. I know that our topic on our editorial calendar, our topic for um, the whole month of February is going to be email marketing. And so who our guest is, um, I will have to tweet that out later. Cool. Well, we'll look, we'll look for that info and we'll share that afterwards. Sorry. Um, and um, also, I noticed that you're collecting blog posts for the university. So if, if people have got content to share, should they be getting in touch with you as well? Yeah, absolutely. If you um, have content to share, like Lorraine, great content, knowledge for uh, small business owners related to marketing, then um, we'd love to have you as a guest post on our blog. Well. Cool. Uh, for those of you that are wondering what the pause was, Nick just killed a spider that was coming down from the ceiling in our office. It's always interesting around that it's not enough that we have cats and, and dogs. We now have spiders. I'm not sure I got him dead, Lorraine. That's all right. He, he ran away. Um, if, if you've enjoyed today's podcast, if you um, would like to learn more about marketing, networking, um, social media, some small business planning, be sure to check out our blog at www.roundhead.biz. This has been another episode of More Than a Few Words. Thanks for listening.